I appreciate that, ladies. Beautifully sung. Wonderful truth. That's great advice, by the way. When you're going through some testing and trial, just stand still. You know, often we, uh, we just manage to get in the way of God. And so a good, good uh, reminder through song tonight. It's in, really in keeping with what we're going to be talking about this evening. Look at James chapter 1 again as we look at these uh, couple of verses. I think there's many things in, the, in life that we sort of uh, understand is there. But we don't, often, um, we don't often think about it as far as you know, in a biblical sense when we're going through it. And I think one of those things is um, uh, really trials in our lives and troubles. And I don't think there would be anyone here tonight that, um, that would say they've never had troubles. They've never gone through something that God has allowed in their lives and... Um, and, and really, James is writing to a group of people here. He really he was the presiding elder over the church in Jerusalem. And James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, saw God really allow a great persecution, as we spoke about this morning, to, to hasten the, the movement of the gospel from the, its center point there in Jerusalem right through to the different various regions there. And so he's speaking to a people who would be familiar with persecution, would be familiar with trouble. We would be familiar with sort of the, the testing that comes along with the Christian life. And, you know, if you, if you came into the Christian life and someone told you that all of your problems would suddenly be solved and you'll no longer have troubles, well, you'll know very quickly that that's not true. Uh, in fact, God actually uses trouble and, and temptation and uh, persecution at times and, and all of the, the variety of, uh, of other things that can be viewed negatively in our lives, actually for the positive. And that's the kind of God we, we serve. Uh, even the negatives in our lives that we, humanly speaking, perceive are negative, God uses for His good and for our good and for His glory. And we're going to see that brought out um, here. And, you know, God never does something where He has no purpose for it. God never does something where there's just, it's just cause. We understand that every word of God is pure, but you understand that everything God allows into your life comes out of that purity of heart for you, for, for, for me. And we read there earlier in, in James chapter, chapter 1, he was again speaking to those, uh, those who were scattered abroad. He greets them. And he says this, he says, um, My brethren, count it all joy, when you fall into diverse temptations. Um, this, this book of James, it was written to those people who were scattered abroad, who had gone through the temptation, uh, sorry, the, the troubles of persecution. And now they're, they're going through even more. That, that word diverse means many and varied. And he's speaking to a people who, when in, in writing this, would have directly understood the troubles that they faced as a Christian. The things that they had to go through and the things that were happening in their lives because of the fact that they confessed Christ. And, you know, it's no wonder then that, that, again, James addresses in this letter trials and suffering as really one of the first topics. He's reminding the Christian uh, who's reading this, who've been displaced, been scattered because of persecution, that actually God has a plan for it all. That, that God means to 
help them actually, means to produce something in their lives. And we're going to see three things that, that really, adversity is what we'll call it tonight. Three of the three things that adversity produces in our lives. And maybe you're not going through adversity right now. And aren't you glad that it doesn't, doesn't always have to be that you're in adversity? Aren't you glad that there's times of calm in our lives? But um, I know enough about life that we do face adversity. And so sometimes we wonder, and, and God is in a, in a way producing these things in our lives. And um, the, the thing to remember, though, is this, that we do have an example. Right? We have an example in our Savior. If you look at the next book across First Peter, and in chapter 4, look at verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh... He says, look at him. He went through something. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh shall cease, uh, flesh hath ceased from sin. In verse 13, notice, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So there's a theme that, that I think sometimes we forget is actually... Um, correlates its trials, temptations, and suffering equates to joy. <laughs> he says, if you go through that, count it all joy. And, and really, in the first place, because you're, you're partaking of what Christ went through. You're, you're, you're following his footsteps, so to speak. And, and the manner by which we're supposed to face these diverse temptations, the, the troubles that we face, the adversity, is we're supposed to count it all joy. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's not the immediate feeling and sense I get when I go through adversity. It's not the immediate um, response that I have, and often it's, it's, it's dealt with, uh, the, the response is really fear. The response really is, uh, is worry and uh, sometimes frustration, sometimes uh, outright anger about the situation. But, but God's giving us how He... He would like us to respond. We're supposed to count it all joy. And, you know, that word diverse, it means that there's a variety of troubles and trials that we're going to face. And, again, at times this could mean persecution. Other times it's unwarranted criticisms. In some situations it's unforeseen health issues. And there are times when even if it's small inconveniences. However, in any situation, no matter how... how um, how deep the, the adversity, no matter how, how impossible it looks to overcome, the Word of God is reminding us that we ought to count it all joy. There's a sense there of our, our fellowship with the Lord when we go through troubles in our lives. And there's some reasons, again, that why we can be joyful in adversity, and I want to bring those out tonight. See, the, the reason God allows troubles in our lives is foundational to our joy. It's supposed to produce something in our lives. He brings trouble to, uh, to, to bring us what we see is patience. He's going to bring trouble to bring us perfection, which is maturity. And he's going to bring us trouble and adversity to bring us closer to him through prayer. And it's a simple thought tonight. You know, God's big picture purpose in our lives is that we would bear much fruit, right? We, tonight, church, listen, I hope that we would have the heart of bearing fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? When we bear much fruit, He is much glorified. And so God wants to produce fruit and purging or adversity or trouble in our lives for 
you know, for the sake of producing spiritual results, it actually is a good thing. And James is, is really just giving the, the scattered church here a reminder of God's end purpose. And James refers to this as something that worketh or is produced in us. And so what are those three things this evening? And the first one I mentioned already, it works patience in us. Look at verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And really simple tonight. And when I say simple, it doesn't mean easy to get. You know, I don't think, I don't think any of us here um, would, would under, uh, really undersell the need for patience in our lives. We need all, all of us need some sort of greater patience. Right? Patience is defined as this, the ability to accept or tolerate delay. All right? Problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. You know, we live in a society, we live in a world that's very anxious, that is easily annoyed and frustrated over simple delays. And I can attest to that because, again, I lived in Sydney for a long time. Right? Try the traffic there. And, and there's delays all the time. But what patience is, is, is that acceptance or tolerance of delay. It's the act or quality of waiting long for justice or, or expected good without discontent. And how many of us quickly become discontent at, at something that doesn't come about the way we would like. It's constancy in labor or exertion. You know, when we, we're constantly laboring and there's no seeming fruit out of it. The, the counter to that is patience. The, it's the quality of bearing offenses and injuries without anger or revenge. And so what God does is, is to, in order to produce patience in our lives, He allows some adversity to produce that in our lives. He allows those tri trials and temptations. And, and again, how many would you, of you this evening would admit that you lack patience? Anyone here? I've got my hand raised. <laughs> All of us. You know, there's a little poem that says, Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman, never in a man. <laughs> and, you know, James mentions this word patience five times in his book and in, in, this, in this letter. And, and in James, he, he mentions Job, the patience of Job. You know, if we were to look at someone who faced great adversity in their life, we would have to think of Job, right? Here Job was, he was simply serving God. In fact, the, the Bible says that he was one that issueth evil. You know, he, he made sure that his, even his children were, were walking with the Lord. He would pray in the morning and sacrifice in the morning just in case they did something. Job was a great man, actually. And, and yet Job, Job went through great great trouble. And he's an example of one who was patient. He endured that. He, he overcame that. And, and patience is a, is a needful thing. Look at Romans chapter 5 this evening and turn to a few more um, places tonight. Look at Romans chapter 5 and don't worry, I'm mindful of the time. Romans chapter 5 Verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace, this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, so trouble, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. But, you know, we, we like to get to that place of hope. You know, hope is, in biblical terms, an understanding that, that God will do what He says He will do. That's what hope is. But we, we often go, go to hope, and we, we marvel at stories of people who went through great trial and trouble in their lives, and now they're standing in front of you or sitting with you, and they're telling you about that. But you know, they wouldn't have got there if God didn't first produce patience in their lives. It's meant to produce the, the tribulations in our lives. God's purpose in that is to produce patience. And yet, it really comes down to a faith response, doesn't it? You know, if we all go through trouble and we don't respond by faith, Faith is really knowing what God says and believing it. If we read, again, we read these verses sometimes, and because maybe in that moment we're not going through some trouble, we don't think it applies, and then when we do go through some trouble, we forget what the Bible says. But if we go through and we respond by faith, it produces those things that it's supposed to produce in our lives. And in the first place, it ought to produce patience. And so God's purpose for trouble and trial in our lives is that patience is produced. And, and you know, uh, again, we all want to be the, the person like Job who can tell the story at the end. We all want to be the, the, the person who God entrusts a great trial that, that will cause us to have a great story per se. And yet, yet we don't want to go through the whole process of patience producing. And, and you know, David... He said it this way in, in Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. You know, in the midst of trouble, isn't it the, the time when we just, we're just waiting for God to do something? Waiting for God to get us through the, the, the situation that we find ourselves in, and yet David, he did it waiting patiently. Ecclesiastes 7, 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Second part of that verse, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Someone said this, the purposes of God often develop slowly because His grand designs are never hurried. And so what, what trouble, tribulation, adversity produces, firstly, it produces patience. But, you know, patience then leads into this. Look at, go back to, to James chapter chapter 1. Notice again, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Um, he's saying that patience through the adversity produces a, secondary, a second thing in, in our lives. It produces perfection. Okay, but let her patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. Now that word perfect doesn't mean that we're, you know, we'll, we'll, never, uh, we'll never sin again, that we'll, we'll never make a mistake again. That word perfect simply means to be mature. Okay, um, you know, the, the, the sad reality is that, that, that often we missteward miss the things that God brings into our lives and therefore we never grow up in the faith. 
we remain children. We may remain immature. We understand that the Word of God is meant to mature us. We understand then also, biblically, that what God does using trouble in our lives, it's meant to mature us. You know, sometimes God has to force maturity on us. Sometimes God, because He hasn't gotten through to us another way, will allow trials in our lives. Why? Because He doesn't want to leave us immature. And that's a painful thing for those of you who've gone through something where perhaps it's a, it's a problem you, cannot, you just can't solve. Maybe it's, a, it's something that just came about totally unseen and now you're having to deal with this and, and you just have no, no ability to deal with it. You know what that is? It's, it's God's perfecting in you. And the work of patience produces another thing uh, that leads into this other thing that, that troubles produce in our lives. It produces maturity, perfection. And, um, you know, in, in John 15 too, I, I, I referred to it a little bit earlier. He says, In every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You know, those trees that bring forth more fruit, they have maturity about them. And, and God's, God's heart for us is that we're not just to remain the same. He's meant to grow us up in Him. And sometimes the way He will do that is by, by allowing some adversity in our lives. And, and I'll tell you, and, and we don't have the time tonight, there, there were some things that God allowed into my life to just jar me from my comfort zones. Some things that I was immature in my understanding about. And there's been, there's been hurts in my life that in the moment I didn't care for. But later on, as I look back, it was actually what I needed. And God allows that in our lives to work perfection or, or maturity. And what God wants, He wants all of us to reach our potential for Him. And He wants to identify areas in our lives that are hindering us from fulfilling our maturity. And, and again, the, the, the standard of maturity or perfection, it's actually, it's measuring up to Christ. It's not measuring up to the person next to you. It's not measuring up to your pastor. It's measuring up to the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, if you understand the whole process that Jesus went through to fulfill his Father's will for him, it, it was through tribulation. It was through the suffering that he endured on the, on the cross. In Ephesians 4.13, he says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so there it is again. It's that, it's, it's that measuring to that stature. It's that, that's perfection. In 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish you, strengthen, settle you. And all of that, the, the, the preceding things that come from troubles and adversity, it makes you mature, that establishes you, strengthens you, and it settles you. But, but that, that has to come first. You know, I, again, we need in this time, we need, a, we need a, a, a group of believers who will be mature in the faith. 
You know, we live in a world, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of traps in our world. There's a lot of things that sound good but aren't good. You know, maturity, it takes maturity to understand that and to navigate through this world. And yet, what we're seeing is, is sometimes, sometimes Christianity packaged as something that, it's, that it, it shouldn't be. And the, God has a greater purpose and plan and adversity that, than we understand. It's, it's our maturing and our completion. He's, he, he wants a, a likeness of Christ in our lives, a perfection. And so I, I want to say to you that if you are going through some adversity in your life, don't fight it. You know, take the advice of the song we heard tonight, stand still. Let God do His work in your life. And I understand that's easier said than done. You might be looking at me tonight and saying, you're not going through what I'm going through. And I'll tell you, I won't go through what you're going through because I'm not you. But God knows what you have to go through. And God knows how to get you to this place, to the next place, to that process of patience and then perfection. But really, lastly, look at verses 5 and 8. Look at verses 5 to 8. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Notice those key words there, ask. Let him ask. And the last thing that, that adversity ought to produce is this, it's prayer. Um, who, here, who here struggles with prayer? Right? Prayer isn't, prayer isn't a, it's not, it's not something the flesh desires. Right? There's, there's things that it's easy to do because it's, it's just, there's some benefit to the flesh. But you know, prayer doesn't. It's not something natural. It's something that God has to produce in your life. And who understands also that, that it was in times of trouble and trial that suddenly we began to pray. <laughs> that suddenly because it was something that we couldn't control, we had no answer for, it was something that we, tr we had to truly trust God about, then suddenly, you know, all of that, all, all of the spare time that we had, we began to pray. And, and, and adversity produces and it works prayer in us. And, you know, one of the greatest times we should seek after God in prayer is when we're facing trials. Right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And sometimes we have to avail much. And, and another thing that testing produces in our lives is prayer. And there was a story once about a boy who'd been sent to his room because he'd been bad. A short time later, he came out and said to his mother, you know, I've been thinking about what I did, and I said a prayer. So that's fine, she said. If you ask God to make you good, He will help you. Oh, I didn't ask Him to help me be good, replied the boy. I asked Him to help you put up with me. Right? And sometimes we pray things that, you know, maybe don't make sense to the Lord. And sometimes we just want Him to, um, to remove the thing that we most need. And yet, you know, in, in prayer, we're, we're meant to be seeking what is needful. 
We're meant to be seeking that thing that God wants to produce in our lives. And sometimes all we're concerned about is removal. Lord, remove this from me. And we understand in our humanity, the Lord Jesus himself, right, at, at the hour where he was facing the cross, he prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me. We understand that in our humanity, we, we don't want to go through some pain. We don't want to go through some troubling times. But sometimes that's exactly what God needs you in your life right there. And that ought to produce prayer. We don't address perhaps a real situation. And you see, often prayer is about what we lack in our ability to handle the situation. It's asking for that. You know, testings often found, what it often reveals is that the thing that is most needful. And then because there's no other option, what we do is we pray. Spurgeon said this, I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of the intensity of your prayer. And I'll tell you what, when you're, when you're in an intense moment, you intensely pray. <laughs> we know that too often we lapse, don't we, in our intensity of prayer. We, we lapse in our, just that fervency that we ought to have. We, we go through and we say things that we just know to say. We say we pray things that are just sometimes monotonous and, and too becomes too regulated, too 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 formulaic. And yet there's times where we're just in our in our desperation, in our need, there's groanings and, and utterings that we just don't even understand. And those are the the, the, the the places that we find ourselves in when we're going through real adversity. And so God allows trials to bring us back to that needful place of prayer. And notice what kind of prayer here. He says, pray for wisdom. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, that's almost a rhetorical question, isn't it? Right? If any of you lack wisdom. Hey, listen, use flesh. We all lack wisdom. Okay? Double hands up. <laughs> I surrender. Me. We all lack wisdom. Let's not presume about ourselves that we just know everything. Listen, that, that is a recipe for disaster. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, you need to recognize what you lack first before you ask. He's saying, pray for wisdom. You know, in testing, often in that moment, we don't know what to do. And the greatest resource we have is wisdom from above. In Proverbs 4, 5, he says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Another thing Spurgeon said, he says, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And sometimes we just have to understand what knowledge we have from the Lord to be able to navigate through the trouble. Thankfully, again, in recognition of our lack of it, you know what he says, God gives it liberally. You know, we have an opportunity not to lack wisdom. We have an opportunity to have all the wisdom that we need. But you know what we do? We don't pray. We don't ask enough. You know, we, we sort of just stumble our way through it, guessing. And, and yet God's given us every opportunity to get all the wisdom that we need. You know, the, the next thing is this. It's a prayer of faith. He says, but let him ask in faith. Saying, exercise your faith. In uncertainty, we need faith. And, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. 
not seen. And sometimes in trouble and adversity, we, we, just, we just can't tell which way is right and which way is wrong. And sometimes we, there's just things that we just sort of get confused about in trial. And yet God's given us this thing of faith. We're supposed to trust Him. We're, we're instructed here to pray unwavering. Okay, that's without doubting. We're supposed to trust in the Lord. And we're supposed to look to Him. It's meant to be a prayer of faith. He says, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We understand the picture there of the ocean, just unstable. And, uh, and, and we understand that, that at times when we're trying to navigate through life, it could become troublous like the troubled sea. And we're saying at that, at that moment, you need to pray in faith. Pray believing. Pray understanding that God has a plan like we heard tonight. And lastly and really quickly, this prayer really is a prayer for stability. It says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He's saying those who don't approach by faith. And he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, in, in, in adversity, again, sometimes we could be you know, we're, we're just trying to figure it out and we can be a little double-minded. And he's saying that, that we, ought to, we ought to ask. And part of that is just for stability. Nothing, I think, can potentially cause us to become unsteady in our Christian life more than troubles, more, more than adversity. But God's desire is actually our stability. You know, there's no greater time to seek God and ensure we have, we're singularly focused on His will than in the middle of a trial. We ought to be singular in mind about that. And so tonight, really simply, you know, if you face adversity, maybe it's not now, but it might be in the future. Maybe you are going through adversity. Can I comfort you tonight? God has a plan. God wants to produce some things in your life. He wants to produce patience. He wants to produce perfection or maturity in your life. And God wants to produce prayer in your life. How, how are you handling your adversity? Are you handling it without the eyes of, without uh, understanding actually what God wants to do? Are we mishandling it? And if, if so, maybe you just need to come back tonight to God and say, Lord, I trust you. And Lord, I can't help what, what's going on in my life right now. But, but Lord, produce those things in my life. Produce patience. Lord, produce perfection or maturing in my life. Lord, Help me to seek you more. Help me to, to understand. Give me wisdom. Give me faith. Lord, help me to just, Lord, be stable in what I need to be for you. And, and God uses adversity strategically in our lives really to produce these things. He uses troubles, trials, and testings to help us move the direction we ought to and become steadfast in our faith in him. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors he worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper, and I see the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle ceases to fly, shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. You know, sometimes we don't see it. But here's what I want to tell you. You can trust God in it. Sometimes we go through adversity in our lives and it doesn't make complete sense but what God is doing if we're if we're responding correctly 
is he's producing something better. He's producing a better Christian. He's going to produce a better husband. He's going to produce a better wife. He's going to produce a better child of God. And at the end of the day, he's going to produce one, if we respond the way we ought to, that one that will be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for tonight. And Lord, just a simple thought. Too many times, Lord, I know that in my own life, I've, I've really mishandled trials in my life. And yet, Lord, you've so simply just revealed to us in your word what it is that, that, that adversity ought to produce. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, we'd be the kind of Christian, dear God, that, that whether we're going through it now or we, whether you allow other things to come later on, that, Lord, we'd remember that, Lord, you're, you're a God who is full of purpose. You're not a God who just inadvertently places us where, where we, we are without any, um, without any plan, that you're a God who has a plan. You're a God who is in control. You're a God who has a great purpose in our lives. And so I pray that you just help us, Lord, to just be comforted in that. Pray for the weak. I pray, dear God, that you would just be glorified, Lord, in, in everything that we do. Lord, help us to head into the week with great encouragement in, in our hearts. And then, Lord, help us to then just uh, be a blessing to others as we go about. Help us to shine as lights and, Lord, to be salt in this uh, day and age. I pray that, Lord, we would, as we come across those who perhaps are lost, that we would be a good witness to them for you. And then, Lord, at the end of the day, that, Lord, in, in everything that we say and do, that you would be glorified and honored and pleased. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen.